calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. My name is Chris and this week I'm joined by Gav. All right. And Dale. Hello. How are we doing, fellas? Good. Really good. Yeah? Really good. I was about to say I'm excited for Glasgow, but then if you listen to this, as you pointed out before this podcast, Glasgow's already been. So I'm not sure what I am feeling about Glasgow. It either went well or badly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but God. thanks to everyone who came. God. <laughs> think about that. Thanks, thanks for all your feedback. Uh, and we're sorry about how it ended. Um <laughs> So we're going to kick off by talking about films from our childhood because uh, overnight a trailer dropped for a remake or reimagining, yeah. as, they, mm-hmm. as that seems to be the new word, mm-hmm. of uh, Pete's Dragon, which was a massive film from my childhood. And do you know why? It's because my brother was called Pete. It's that, sim- <laughs> it's that simple. And so therefore it was his film. So we bought it for him when he was, we were little kids. He, had a little, he bought the little dragon when we went to Disney and we watched it all the time, even though... It's not the best film ever. Yeah. It's all right, yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember it that well. Mm. I remember the voice and I remember the, like, <laughs> like... Yeah, the voice is really... Things. The voice is probably... Yeah. The, and the, it does yeah. all that kind yeah. of... I've, you no, seen I've it? never seen it. Oh, nope. it's, um, Maybe it wasn't part of my... Saying that, I'm the same generation as you, so you think I might have. But yeah, no, it's never, never came it's, across. It's, it's one of those films, though. There's a, it's one of those old-school Disney films with a lot of songs in it. Yeah. And songs can be fun, but mm. also songs can get on your nerves a little bit. Yeah. If, I mean... Good songs are really mm. good, but then when they're just like all right songs, yeah, which looks exactly like a lot of those do. Have. Whereas stuff like Ben Dobbs and Boomsticks yeah. and Mary Poppins have stronger songs. Yeah. yeah, there's no suggestion that this one has songs in it. Actually, it looks like a bit of a more serious, oh, right, grounded okay, yeah. take on it all. Yeah. It looks like it's about a little kid who's who's um, lost in a forest for years, yeah. and, and and I guess the dragon helps bring him up. Or Robert Redford's in it. <laughs> Robert Redford. <laughs> like, people... I was just watching the trailer. What Dale said, and I was like, Robert. <laughs> well, who was it? Was it Mickey Rooney in the original one? Or was Lampy the old guy? Oh, uh, yeah. This is a different kind of role. He was like an old drunk granddad, but the, yeah. this one is looking like he's a bit more serious. Yeah. But um, anyway, I, I think that's a really good movie to remake. I you think, think you could. Yeah, I think I think you could do lots with that concept hmm. without sort of infringing on people that like the original. If you, yeah. you know, if you're just not making it a musical, having a more serious take on it I think it's an it's a good idea he talks so, isn't he the dragon talks mm-hmm. in Pete's Dragon is he going to talk in this one though 
Yeah, it would be like be weird. what was that film? Was it Dragonheart with Sean Connery? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I hope he's like that. Get Sean Connery in. He's not doing much. He's not up too much lately, is he? Weirdly, I watched the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen last night. What do you think of it? And that's why he stopped doing stuff. Like <laughs> yeah, that. Oh. Um, oh, to my tea. Ah, it's um, not very good. Yeah, it's not, is it? Nah, it's a really odd film. It's quite boring. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, topic: What kids' film would you like to see remade? Shall I go? Yeah, Dale. go on. Uh, so I put two, and the first one I think is big. What? Uh, Tom Hanks classic. And I don't think that's necessarily because I think the original is bad by any stretch of the imagination. Right. I'd just love to see how they would do it contemporarily. Like, you know, put, say for the example, you've got the Zoltar machine. Is it Zoltar? Yeah. Yeah, Zoltar machine. What would you do in that in 2016? Twitter. It's a Twitter. You put a tweet out to a tweet bot. <laughs> yeah. And bot turned him young. I just And then you've got obviously the, the piano in the in the shop as well. You know, the, the that's still there, I think. Piano. I'm pretty really? sure that's still it. Shop, shop shut down oh, last year. What? I'm going to yeah. New York in April. It's my favourite thing. I don't go on the piano, but my favourite <laughs> thing in New York is to go to that toy store. <sighs> even though it looks creepy that I'm a, I'm a single yeah. middle-aged man. <laughs> Playing the Exorcist theme. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a great toy store, but it, it shut down sadly Bollocks. but they, they would only keep that that piano down there for because of the film anyway they wouldn't have that in normal toy shops so what would be the modern equivalent what would they do these days uh virtual reality machine they could have well, that there two two things there the zoltar <laughs> machine i think has become popular because of the yeah, film definitely like yeah. you go to most it's fairgrounds they're in the states there, no, they're yeah. always there so that's still around and actually if you watch the night before, oh yeah, the uh, Seth Rogen comedy. Right, they have a they have a, a scene that's based on the big piano oh, nice. scene, yeah. except they're doing a Kanye West. Yeah, song. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, you can see that like that properly, uh, like choreographed. Mm. But um, but man, how could you recast that film? Like, well, that's you know, this is one where I'd be leaving it open for them to to make all the genius moves because yeah. I don't have the answers. But I just think it'd be it'd be an interesting property to to read. What about if? It was still Tom Hanks. He's just in his 60s. So the little kid becomes a, a man in his 60s. But he wouldn't be happy about that at first, would he? Or maybe he would. What if his little kid becoming Tom Hanks? Even better. <laughs> to be Tom Hanks. <laughs> just sorting out his day-to-day business, <laughs> ringing up Spielberg. You could get Charlie Kaufman to write it. Yeah. We're done. This is awesome. Yeah. I mean, wasn't did, did, did you guys not think that Big was a bit messed up? It know. is now when you watch it. Like, I've watched it really recently. Um, I love it. Like, I loved it when I was mm. a kid. But it is kind of, There's a lot of weird stuff going on in that. Like, when he calls his... Like, it's a really horrible scene where he calls his mum. Mm. Like, that's really yeah. harrowing because... She he's, thinks he's been kidnapped. Exactly. She, she yeah, thinks he's yeah. kidnapped and she thinks she's talking to the kidnapper. She's actually talking to him. Mm. And he, like, sings a song that she used to sing for him. And it's a really hard scene because mm. she thinks she's talking to the kidnappers. Yeah. Not to him, and she has no idea where they've taken him or anything, and that's really hard. And then obviously there's a sex thing as well. Which yeah, that's I mean, a bit weird. I was ten when it came out, went and saw it in the yeah, cinema, yeah. and I just so I was actually probably the same age as the kid mm. in it, and it was like, well, yeah, this is massive wish fulfillment. Yeah, yeah. But then the more you think about it, the more you think, did did they need to have a sex scene? Did he need to have sex when he's, a, he's whatever a ten, eleven year old boy? Yeah. with a grown woman, did it's it, really twisted. I can't remember the sex scene. Now. Well, they don't show it. They don't show <laughs> no. it. You just see the morning after where he's. That's right. Because I remember when, when they go home and he goes, "I call top bunk," and then jumps yeah. on top, and then you just see him after. Yeah, but interesting. Yeah, it's good. Uh, what's your other choice, Dale? Uh, Honey, I shrunk the kids. Mm. And that is purely based on uh, the CGI that, you know, advancements what we got these days and just wondering after seeing Ant-Man and yeah. all the scenes when Ant-Man's that small are always just really fascinating seeing something that small in these 
small objects in real life but large in that sense mm. and uh, I just think it'd be really interesting to see what they could do these days I haven't it? watched Tanya Shrunk the Kids for years mm. but it's probably better you don't I'd imagine yeah. it's something that was great as a child was it two so or much. three of them there was definitely uh, two. There was two. There was two proper ones. There might have been a third sort of straight right, to DVD okay. one, but there was two Rick Moranis ones. What was that? Honey, I think Ontario blew up the kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. Honey, yeah. I blew okay, up the kid, right. which wasn't as good. I, I, no. The first one holds up, actually. It's a really good film because oh, it's well written. It's well directed. Um, it's got really likable performances. Mm-hmm. Like the kids aren't too bratty. No. And uh, the effects, although they're dated, uh, because they were practical, there's something quite sweet about them, really. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um but that would be a really interesting one. That's actually one of the ones I was I was going to suggest. Mm. Um, yeah, Gav, I've got uh, the last the the Black Cauldron. You, you were literally reading <laughs> yeah, out my I one. <laughs> I was just because I just saw your thing earlier. I was like, spoilers. Uh, the Black Cauldron, uh, which is a Disney film mm. that came out right. uh, and it's one of like Disney's biggest flops, um, based on a sort of Welsh legend um, and. It's, yeah, it was. It was basically it was doing a lot of like first things, like the, one of the first Disney films to use like three um, D animation, which right. is like really good. But if you watch it, it's almost like it's almost borderline unwatchable because it's just like it's just really dark, but like not dark as in there's, there's dark stuff going on, but it looks really dark as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's not colorful. It's a really strange world. There's lots of like dungeons and like dripping cauldrons and things like that. It's just not a very good film, but it's an amazing story. And there's lots of because like, it's a really good sort of like uh, fairy tale in Wales. But unfortunately, you don't do a very good job. It's of it. funny. I nearly revisited that yesterday mm. uh, because I've got my sky all hooked up, and there's there's a Disney Channel there now where they've okay. got all their films. There's like fifty Disney films that you can yeah. download and watch, and quite a few animated films that I watched when I was a kid. Yeah, mm. uh, all of which weren't very good. Mm. You know, it's when they went through that dry patch. I think Sword and Stone. Yeah, I, th- like I think yeah. I think Basil Basil the Great Mouse oh, Detective yeah. was probably the- no. I like that one. That was the first one I liked. But uh, that's another one that's like as well looks dark. Mm. Like they do a lot of really weird dark stuff within like the nighttime. They weren't stuff. spending a lot of money on no. their animation department at the time. Okay, so it was, yeah. every stuff was being done on the cheap a little bit compared mm. to before and after. But so you but you say that's one maybe I shouldn't revisit. Well, I don't know because I haven't watched it for years. Mm. So I've been thinking about watching it again recently. Um, but. I don't know. I don't have very fond memories of it no. at all, to be honest. No. Um, but did and, you feel a special attachment to it though, because of the Welsh connection? I think. Do you know what? When I was a kid, I didn't really make the connection. It was only okay. when I was older at uni, watching it, uh, I became like a bit of a, like a Welsh nationalist. That <laughs> I was like really championing this thing because it's like it's one of the champion black because <laughs> the, 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 prince, the princess in it is one of the only princesses not in the Disney parade. Right. Oh, okay. Um, so like for ages, I was like had this sort of idea that I was going to make this documentary when I was a student about trying to get her back in the parade which I think is still because it's like I think it was like two years ago was the 20th anniversary of it and I was like get the Black Cauldron Princess back in the parade which is probably time. I'm still afraid of, I'm afraid I don't want to watch it again just because go actually no it's you've got a great shite. platform on IGN to make yeah it. exactly <laughs> we could well you, we can use the podcast let's get it yeah, get oh, in thing. Well, we need to watch it. First. We need to watch it. Okay, so let's now let's go away and watch it, and then, we can, and then we can decide on the yeah. podcast. People can write in if they think yeah. she should be in the parade. Mm. I don't. I don't actually don't remember anything about the film, no. so I don't remember the princess. Yeah. Are they actually Welsh characters in it, or uh, are th- they just taking the legend and Americanized I it? I think they. I think some of them are. Some of them aren't. Mm. But I need to watch it again. Um, to be honest. And would it be live action or animated of your remake? Hmm. <sighs> I'd like to go with a nice animated again because I think you can do a little bit more. But then live action, I think, because it's all like swords and sort of like sorcery and things like that, I think 
it would kind of be a bit sort of Game of Thronesy, and I don't want to go that way with it. No. I think you'd want to go a bit more fun. Rob Bryden could do all the voices. Oh, so yeah. Every single one. That'd be good. Ruth Jones, get yeah. her in. Yeah, Tom Jones could do the song. Yeah. He could sing oh my the theme God. tune. It's right itself. Amazing. I'm seeing like a James Bond-like, uh, Thunderball-like Black yeah. Cauldron song That's as well. That's good. Well, that's yeah. excellent. Yeah. Uh, my choice is a film called The Last Starfighter, which annoyingly I've just realised I'm going to be talking, I was planning to talk about on the Glasgow podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but um, let's talk about it now instead because yeah. there's enough to talk about then. It is one of the best kids' films that hardly anyone's seen. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen it. Um, it came out in 1984 and it's just in the same way that kind of the Monster Squad um, came out that year or the year, a year later and no one really paid any attention mm. to it. Everyone saw Goonies and talked about Goonies. Yeah where Monster Squad is as good, if not better. I think The Last Starfighter is just... It's a terrific conceit. It's really well scripted. It's well directed. It's, it wasn't made for much money, but it looks like it well, yeah. certainly at mm. the time. And it's about a kid who lives in one of those towns um, in America that kind of Amblin did so well, those Spielberg towns, yeah. where it was kind of a dead end and life was really going nowhere. And, and Indiana. But, yeah, but, <laughs> he's, but he's kind of got a dream that he's going to... He's... he's, he's He's got a purpose in life. He just yeah, doesn't right. know what it is yet. And the only thing he's good at is this video game at the trailer park. Uh, and he gets the high score in it. And little does he realise that these uh, arcade games have been put on planets all across the galaxy mm. to test starfighters because they're well. looking for people that could pilot these thing, these um, crafts. And so he's visited by an alien who takes him away and he's, he gets swept up in this intergalactic mm. war. Um, and it's good. Like, it's scary in yeah. some bits. And... Uh, they cut back to his family at home wondering where he's a bit like big and then he's yeah. up there he meets all these different aliens and the guy they cast as the main alien is really good mm. the kids are really likeable an actor called Lance Guest he's really kind of there was a few like Michael J Fox was quite good at that as yeah, well they were right. quite likeable you know you could really get behind them and want yeah. them to, to succeed but again um, with like I from the quid, the kids with 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 sort of modern effects, you could really make that into an mm, epic yeah. science fiction movie. Yeah. Sounds it, yeah. Um, whereas then it was it was right at the start of using digital effects, and so it basically looks like a video game when mm. they when they're actually doing the fighting in space, which which works thematically. Yeah. But you could have it yeah. look more like Star Wars. That's, now. A, that's a true eighties vision of video games. Isn't yeah, it? Mm. that one that just summarizes that generation. I think P- Pixels was trying to kind of do that, wasn't it? But it's just not a lot of fun. No, it wasn't. And it, I guess like they weren't put on the sort of earth with that sort of thing in mind. No, and, and um, Pixels could have gone in that direction because yeah. the short, you could have done anything based on yeah. the short, but it became an Adam Sander film. So that's, you know, for better or worse, and people <laughs> yeah. like him and uh, people don't. And, yeah. and But it became a different thing. Yeah. You know, you could have actually told that story in a really different way. Yeah. I think, uh, so Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg wanted to remake it. And they're doing a TV series called Future Man, which is essentially the plot of Last Starfighter. Um, but unfortunately, it's got Josh Hutchison in there. Mm. And I think he's awful, so I don't want to watch that. I know Gary Witter, who's appeared on the podcast before, and he's one of the screenwriters on Star Wars Rogue One. Mm. Uh, he was really interested in doing something with it. It's <coughs> it's quite tangled up, the rights to it. The guy okay. that wrote it, he's quite mysterious, and he's not really very clear in what he wants to do with it. I think really? he wants to do something with it, yeah. but yeah. he wants to do it himself rather than oh, no. where, you know, you'd like team up with Seth Rogen. Give me some money, let yeah. it go. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's really, it's well worth seeking out uh, yeah. if you want to check it out. 
that's like Dragon's Den style thing, isn't it? Like when you go into Dragon's Den, they're like, you've got a great idea, but you have no idea what to do with it. Do you want to, like, give me 60% of your company, I'll give you this money, and I'll make something good with it. And yeah. you see these people go, no, I want to do it. Oh, God, just <laughs> take the money from the people. There's no reason yeah. why he couldn't work with these other people. Exactly, like, I yeah. think he's been hard to get hold of. And then I, th- I think I saw one interview, I read one interview with him where he's like, well, I'm not hard to get hold of. I'm, I'm you know, we'll do something with it. Yeah. But no one has been able to get that off the ground yet. So. Yeah. Make it happen, Hollywood. Definitely. Yep. Right, Gav, you've been watching telly. I have. So have I've, I. What have you? What have you been watching on telly? <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching Love, the Judd Apatow series. Now, I've been looking forward to this for a while. I put it in my TV to look forward to um, when we did that in the podcast back in December. And it's really good. Like, it's Judd Apatow, like, created this. So he's written all the episodes. He doesn't direct any of them. Um, but it stars Gillian Jacobs, who is in Community, and a guy called Paul Rust, who I didn't really know. Um, he's one of the bastards in Glorious Bastards, but I don't know if you recognize him. Did not put that together yeah. at all. No. Yeah, he's also in I Love You, Beth Cooper, the Hayden Panettiere film. If you look at a photo <laughs> of them two, he looks about 40, and he's meant to be the same age as Hayden Panettiere. It's hilarious. Um, but it's really good. It's sort of focusing on these two characters at the beginning of their friendship. Like, I've only watched yeah. four episodes, but obviously everything's telegraphing for them to sort of get together. Of course, yeah. And, it, like, Judd Apatow's films recently, like, I haven't really been able to click with. Like, I've, I haven't really been to empathize with any of the characters. Yeah, it's been this a while. Is, yeah, but this is completely different. It's not, like, laugh-out-loud funny... But it's just really, really entertaining. Well, you say that. I just watched the trailer a minute ago, yeah. and I caught myself laughing out loud several times. So yeah. well, I'm really looking forward to watching it now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's really, really good. I'm not sure on Paul Rust, like, Gillian Jacobs is the best thing in it, and her storyline, and she's a really, really interesting character. Um, the, the most interesting thing Paul Rust has got, and it's the thing that always annoys me about Judd Apatow films, especially Trainwreck, but when he puts... <laughs> you mentioned Trainwreck? No, I'm, not, I'm not going into that. Um, but when he puts these characters in and he gives them this, like, really crazy jobs that you just have no link to at all. Yeah, But this it. guy, it's a little bit different. He, Paul Rust is a tutor for a famous television actress who is played by Iris Apatow, which is one of Judd Apatow's kids. Yeah. So she's on, like, this... Um, TV series about witches and he's her tutor so it's actually used in an interesting way even though it's like this you know strange job mm. there's a lot of jokes to be had from him sort of arguing with the people on set about oh I need to take her away now and they're like talking about the show and stuff like that so actually it's, really, it's used in a really really good way um, it's not quite it's, it's sort of billed as a kind of like girls and he there's some really embarrassing stuff in it okay um, but it's not quite the most disgusting thing of girls yet but put it's very a, very good put me off a little bit by telling me that Jim Apatow's daughters are in it again they're good though I think really yeah I just found like that that sort of went hand in hand with when he, his film started to dip off a little bit it was when they he started to shoehorn them into films really I mean, I enjoyed them in what was the first one they did when they were knocked really up, I think. knocked up, yeah. yeah. But then in uh, This Is Forty, they, there was just too much. But they're meant to be annoying in This Is Forty, so that's kind of hard, I guess. Yeah, um, but everyone was annoying in that film. I think like Maud Apatow, the older one, she's really good in Girls in the episodes that she guess. Mm. Um, I don't mind. I don't mind them at all. But they've got some interesting directors as well. John Slattery, I just realised directed the last two episodes I watched. Um, Roger from Mad Men, which is really good, and Steve Buscemi's doing one as well. Cool. Um, also, Rich Summer from Firewatch is in it. Is it? It's the oh, first hey. thing I've seen him in since playing for, uh, since playing Firewatch. So it's really interesting to sort of hear that voice, hear voice straight yeah. after um, Firewatch, which is kind of kind cool. of good. But it's definitely worth. It. It's all on Netflix. It's all um, being. Uh, no, another thing as well that I meant to say <laughs> that Judd Apatow keeps doing is putting Australian people in his films. Just like, you're an Australian person. That's funny, isn't it? And the Australian person, the, the girl that you've got, is so annoying. And it's really, really weak. But right. So you hate it? 
I'm not much a fan of her. But Julian Jacobs is amazing. She completely saves it. It's a really good show. Once I finish with uh, season two of Fargo, that's next on my list, I think. Definitely going to watch that. I mean, I don't know if they make good double bills, Fargo and Love. Well, probably not. But, you know, go from one extreme to the other. Yeah. But it's good. Because I think it debuted the same week that Gaspar Noe's Love debuted on Netflix. I hope people don't get those two people confused. (laughs) I could imagine my folks getting that confused. Yeah, that's not good. Um, I don't want to think about my folks watching porn. Um, (laughs) Dale. You've done something Hello. interesting. Yes, I went to see the new Batmobile mm. from Batman. Did you get driving around? I didn't, which what? is disappointing. Did they you get wouldn't... to look at the back of it? No, they wouldn't even <laughs> let me look at the back of it. No, which I feel was it was exposing it slightly. However, they did tell me that it was one. They made three for the film, and that yeah. was one of the three. No way. That's what they told me. So, I've, like, I've seen your photos. Yeah. It looks like it's made out of cardboard. It does a little bit, doesn't it? Because it did feel like that as well. It felt plasticky yeah. and maybe fiberglass at parts as well. But because I looked at they that, they used it I was for like, static parts, probably. I don't know. I looked at your photos and I thought that is definitely the one they probably used for the very first picture we saw of Ben Affleck and him. And I was like, that's definitely why it was black and white. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really know to be honest, but that, I'm only going on what they tell me. But yeah. I. It must have been used in the film somewhere, yeah. unless they're just plain lying to me. Oh, I'm sure they're not lying. But by the way, I thought it was um, it was really interesting because. I felt like the tumbler. I was never a massive fan of the tumbler, to be honest. Mm. I know every most people are, but I felt I kind of liked that flash from the other Batman films. You know, yeah. like Burton's Batmobile. I think obviously it was modelled on like the Thrust Two, was it? Yeah. And I think that was the perfect Batmobile for me. Maybe it was the right generation. But I even like the one in Batman and Robin. And I think obviously the, the Batman film. Forever one is really really yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. And they're just the flash and pizzazz of Batman. Mm. But I think this one's got a nice middle ground now, where okay. it's got that sort of elegance to it, but it's also got the functionality as yeah. well. You know, like so it looks like it could actually work in real life as it well. It looks like a lot like the ones from the Arkham games, right? Yeah, like very bit. similar, very very similar to that. Yeah, because it's got the mounted turret on the front yeah. as well. So yeah, it's um it's really interesting and. Uh, it's made me look more look forward to the film more I think, really? as well because I was never that I've never been big on Superman at all like Man yeah. of Steel I thought just wasn't for me at all and um, with this one I wasn't I wasn't feeling it but the last trailer coupled with getting to see the Batmobile in real yeah. life and liking the Batmobile I'm feeling actually the excitement is starting to buzz now so yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm could really you see inside? It. Could you see inside it? Um, not really, no, because they had lights above it, so it was reflecting over the glass. So right, you couldn't really see inside of it. But like I said, she wouldn't let me around the back either. So I assume <laughs> not the first time you're back. <laughs> <laughs> so I, wouldn't, I assume it's um, it was more of a shell at this point. But like I said, they did tell me it was one of the ones you used. Yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're not lying to you. It's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah, there's uh, a video there on the site, right? Oh, there will be. Uh, there'll be a video this week, yeah. So by the time you hear this audio podcast, it'll be up. Excellent. Uh, I saw a new TV show as well. Did anyone watch The Night Manager? No, I didn't. I heard amazing stuff about this. What, an, what a boring name yeah. for a TV show. <laughs> uh, but in case you haven't heard of it, and certainly I don't think it's screened in the States yet, it was on BBC One on Sunday night, started uh, this week, and it's uh, based on John Le Carré, and it stars Tom Hiddleston. And it's got some other good actors in it, actually. Mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman's Olivia in Coleman, it. Olivia yeah. oh, cool. um, Who's that? Ah, I won't say anymore. Um, it is interesting. Like, I'm not really sure where it's going. Okay. So, I thought all this is going to be like uh, Tom Hiddleston being like a spy. Mm. But he's not at the outset. He's literally a person that works on the front desk at a hotel at night. Oh, cool. But he becomes embroiled in something. Like, he sees something, he does the right thing, and it, it leads to someone else getting hurt. And then... Uh, he's very angry and upset about it. And so that's kind of where we've left it without doing any spoilers. Yeah. After the first episode, it's what's he going to do? I think he's obviously right. going to start yeah. 
becoming a spy basically okay. and working for Olivia Coleman. But yeah, I just think it's 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 beautifully shot. It's really uh it's quite dark and disturbing. There's something very uncomfortable about watching okay. it. Uh, directed by a really good director called Suzanne Beer, and yeah, I'm just really intrigued. Like I thought, but I thought it was going to be like Tom Hiddleston's audition for Bond, right? And it's not fitting like that yet. But he is very, he's very charming and suave in this. Oh, do you reckon he could be Bond? No. Well, Stranger I, things have happened. Yeah, but just I don't see it. It's just not clicking for me. But yeah. maybe if I after I watch this program. You he, never he's, know. he's got that breeding in it though, where he's a, in this. He's a posh guy who has been in the army and stuff like that. Like okay. you feel like that's what. Yeah, but that's who Bond is. Yeah, yeah. traditionally. Um, but yeah, no, just a heads up if anyone else is watching it. I'm like, definitely going to watch that. I'm seeing, yeah, I'm seeing mm-hmm. High Rise tomorrow, which I'm really excited about as well. He's uh, good in that. Mm. He's just really good. He's an he? inter- he's yeah, a really like, interesting actor. I thought, I th- like, I know you were in a massive fan of Crimson Peak. Like, I, I loved it, but I just loved him as well. Like, this is something I don't know, just ridiculous. Even though he's obviously a really beautiful man, but he actually seems like. He really enjoys films and being a nerd and being all these nerdy stuff as well. I just don't um, know where he came from. Just suddenly yeah. he was he was everywhere, and it was like where yeah. did, normally you see this build. You know, I interviewed Cumberbatch like ten years ago in his yeah. trailer once, and you know he made me a cup of tea, and that was a very slow, steady rise that he had. Whereas Hiddleston just seems to have just arrived in a Marvel yeah. movie, and and that you get us. You know, we've talked about um, oh, what's the guy's name from uh, Avatar. Sam Worthington. Sam Worthington. Like, yeah. just out of nowhere, it was just like, oh, he's in everything now. Yeah. yeah. Like, that sort of kind of happens a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but still, like, Tom Hiddleston's still the best baddie that Marvel have had. Yeah. Really. Definitely. Um, like, in film, which is just really good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be really good. Are you ready for this week's Keyword Countdown? I'll be honest, I'm never <laughs> ready for Keyword Countdown, but... You have stormed ahead, though. Yeah, like, by one one lucky guess. <laughs> Amazing guess. But after four weeks, the stand-ins, well, top three, Chris, Rory, Alex. Chris has got 17 points. Rory's got 14. That's the closest. And okay. you played less times as well. How many games? You've only played once. You've yeah. guessed two films, and you have four points. Yeah, I know. That's pretty pathetic. It's, all, but, it's always all to play for in Keyword Countdown, though. If you get yeah, if you get it all on the first thing. Who's played the most, then? Rory. Rory. Yeah. That makes no difference <laughs> if you've ever played with Rory. <laughs> so. I, I think I'm genuinely terrible at this, though. <laughs> You're really good at it. No, I got one. And you're then the, the rest of them, guy. I can't really... I, can't, I don't really get them. You've, you're, you're good at it. Right, so Keyword Countdown, if you don't know... IMDb have got some crazy keywords for a lot of their films. I've taken some of the keywords. Ten of them, in fact... The first person to shout out the name of the film from the keywords gets the points. You can shout out as many times as you want. And also play along at home and let us know how you do. Let's do this. Film number one. One Night Stand. Fifty Shades of Grey. Knocked up. Talk- yes! Yes! <laughs> Have it. Outstanding. I was going to go Fatal Attraction. Nice, Dale. good start, good start. Dale, Dale, Dale. See, now this you're is only- going to be the shortest game we've ever done. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, if you've ever, if you listen to, I really pitched it wrong to TJ Miller, thinking there's no way he's going to remember some of the bullshit films he's done, and he was really good at that. <laughs> yeah, but he kept saying Yogi Bear for everyone. He was yeah. going to get it eventually. <laughs> the best thing was like, later on we played that with Rory, even though Rory had already seen all of them, he got none of them. Classic okay. Rory. Here we go. Film number two. Oh, I'll let you know. I- Sorry, what, what was that? Film number two. Oh, I thought it was a clue. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Sequel. Police partner. Lethal weapon. Urban gothic. Beverly Hills Cop. Writing in blood. 
Batman. Sev- severed hand. Seven. Yep. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. I thought that was going to be a good one to put down. Mm. Oh, Chris has raced back out in front. The other clues for that one, sorry. Torture, tied to a bed, foot chase, off-screen killing, living person mistaken for a dead body. No box, no mention of a box. Seven deadly sins was the last one. Seven. <laughs> Film number three. Ooh. Dead child with eyes open. The orphanage. Fantasy world. World War Two. Pan's Labyrinth. No. Yes! Oh, is it? Yes. Excellent. <laughs> Amazing. This might be a record score. I was going to go Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. <laughs> no good. Uh, the other clues phonographed, lifting a male into the air, tyrant, magical realism, reference to Franco, <laughs> horns, eyes in hands. Eyes in hands. I think most people would have got it off eyes in hands. Yeah. <laughs> this is our closest game yet. Film number four Guinness. In Bruges? Florida. Husband-wife relationship. Scarface. Businessman. Flamboyant tie. Rivalry. King of Kong? Yeah. Do you know, that came into my head a second ago. <laughs> when you said flamboyant tie, I thought, no, it can't be that. Oh, Billy Flam- Mitchell. Flamboyant tie. This is awesome. <laughs> Why is Guinness the top? Mm. Guinness World Record. Ah. Oh, yeah. Tough. Uh, the other clues. Tournament. Arcade. Game playing. World record. Okay, final one then for this week, for this week's keyword countdown. Well, what's the score before the final one? Oh, I've lost it's this important. week. All right, I've lost this week, first. but I feel like overall I'm still, I've kept myself in it. Seven, seven, eight. You need to fill this for me. <laughs> I've got 18, I think. Fine. And Chris is good. This is dead air. It's 20, 12? This is dead air. 80, 18 to 12 this week. Yeah, but man. overall, obviously, it's still close. So Chris needs to get it in the first three answers then. You could take the lead, yeah. But you could take the lead Ooh. overall as well, not oh, really? just this week, Dale. Yeah. Here we go. Tech Noir. Retro Future. Blade Runner? Bla- yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> no, that means he wins as well. Oh. Jeez. <laughs> oh. Till he's nailed that. Lovely Absolutely stuff. nailed it. That's lovely stuff. Brilliant. The other clues were genetic engineer, fugitive, based on a novel. These are my favorite. Character repeating someone else's dialogue. Character asks, what generation are you? <laughs> Character asks, do you like our owl? <laughs> How are these keywords? Head, that's what it is. <laughs> Head crushed with bare hands, origami unicorn. Tilly remains top of the board for another week. That's got to be the highest scoring game, though. So it was, far. yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, those are the positives. Yeah. Let's have some negatives to balance it out. Okay. And uh, weirdly, I'm going to talk about Blade Runner. Really? So they've announced a release date for Blade Runner 2. Okay. And it is yep. January, uh, January the 18th, I think. Twenty-eight, January the 12th, 2018. Okay, right. So it's going to be January next release. year. <laughs> um, I'm just not happy about it. I just don't think this should be happening. Now, no. obviously... It's 100% happening. It's yeah, not oh, yeah. like... No, no, it's totally... It's, it, they start shooting in July. Christ. Dennis Villeneuve's directing it. Um, Ridley Scott's come up with a story with one of the original writers. Um, Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford are starring. Absolutely. Yeah, this is this is not new news. This is wow. Um, I just after being burnt by Prometheus, mm. I just think when something is just a perfectly formed little science fiction film, just there's no need to add to that yeah. story, or yeah. I don't need to find out what what Deckard's doing now. Um, 
you know, the ambiguity that's there. They're, yeah. they're going to take all that away. I'm, I'm fearful. Now they've they've got a really good director yeah. doing it, which maybe is a good thing. Although I've always thought if they wanted, if 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 it's so important to do a sequel to Ridley Scott because mm. he's producing and done the story, why isn't he directing it if yeah. it's that important? Yeah. Uh, but equally, obviously, he d- I didn't think he nailed it with Prometheus. I thought he actually. I guess it depends on how much he's actually. I mean, it sounds like he's going to be really heavily involved. Maybe just maybe just because it's a really tough shoot to do. I guess he's an oldish man now. Well, he's so, doing and he's got he's so much other stuff too. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he just didn't have the time. Mm. But um, I don't know. I just I'm just deeply concerned about yeah. this. I'm, I just so many of my films seem to be getting spoiled. My favorite films are getting spoiled by people, and I do find mm. it does spoil the film a little bit. You can yeah. say, you know, the the original will always be there for you to watch. But with something like Prometheus. Now I, I can't have it in my imagination because no. I now know where the space jockey yeah, comes exactly. from, yeah. and it, it's it'll always be in my head when I see that scene in in the original Alien, and so it does spoil it a little bit yeah. for me that it's it's a ridiculous CGI man running around. It definitely yeah. does for Alien because like when you when you watch that film, even now when you watch it, um, and there's some stuff in. Uh, Alien Isolation about it as well. So you you know you see the space jockey in there. Yeah, it's such a weird, strange, and not knowing what it is. As you said, like a really interesting point you made, like about ambiguity, and like that's some of the scariest stuff in Alien. Where you're just like, what is going on here? And then when they're just like, oh, we're going to give you two hours of over explaining exactly what it was. It's like the midi chlorians, like, isn't it? It's explaining yeah. something that doesn't need to be explained. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, just take that money and go and make your a, a new original science yeah, fiction film. Yeah. You know, this director Dennis Villeneuve is brilliant. Like mm. his films so far, yeah. Um, there's been Prisoners, so good, uh, Enemy, and Sicario. Yeah. Like it's just really interesting. Like he's a real visionary. Mm. I just like to see him do his own, tell his own story. Yeah, or, or you know, even even knowing that Harrison Ford's going to be back in it. It's all good and well, but maybe I don't really want to see the continuation of his story. No. I feel like his story ended. Yeah. Let's tell another, you know, deal with other characters in, in, in that world if you have to. But What is it about Blade Runner that they're going, oh, we need to make another one of this? Like, because I guess it's like it's a bit of a, like a cult sort of classic, really. Like, is it, a sure, is it a sure thing? I don't know. Obviously, well, interestingly, it was a massive flop when it yeah. came out. I mean, this is it got terrible reviews yeah. and it, it, it didn't make any money. And it's mm. the reputation's grown and it's now, you know, an absolute classic in any yeah. list of top ten sci-fi films. It's always going to be there. But um, I agree, it's not it's not the slam dunk that a, no. a new Star Wars movie is. But Definitely not. No. What version of the film's canon that they're basing it on? Uh, what do you mean? Well, there's so many director's cuts, isn't there? So so many different versions. I think I think the director's cut. Just the now, final the, director's yeah, the, cut. The, the, one. The, the one without the voiceover. Yeah. Is 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 and, and without the tactile ending. But anyway, yeah. I'm just mm. like maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised, but I just feel like I've been burnt here before. And yeah. I don't want it to happen again. Yeah. yeah. I just don't have the trust for Ridley Scott that I did before. I guess. But there we are. That's fine. Um, I also don't have the trust for something. And that's Secret Cinema, which I went to the latest one on the weekend. What was it for? Oh, um, I nearly went. Did you? I nearly went, but I didn't. Um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't gonna go. I wasn't gonna go because uh, there was a press evening for it, but we were in Glasgow at the time. Um, but my girlfriend really wanted to go, and a friend of mine was selling tickets, so I bought tickets, went along. Didn't know what the film was. I won't spoil it for people who are going, okay. um, because. It's a really, really good film, and it's, it's just there's so much good for it. It was an it's probably the, the best 
not quite best, not quite as good as Star Wars, but it's a really, really good setting. The best performance during the film that they've done, I think. Really, um, it was so, so good. There was the amount of stuff going on is brilliant. The quests that they sort of you do before, not quite as good, and it, there was a couple of really annoying actors. Um, who obviously were just taking it really over the top. Right. Um, and I was just like, I can't even go to the area where they are because they're making me feel a bit sick. But <laughs> right. we saw like a bunch of things happening before the film that was just really, really good. And like, like the budget must be really, really high. It oh, almost yeah. seemed like a higher, even though the setting for Star Wars, they always spent a lot of money on the sets and things like that. For this, they almost like they've spent the money on like the set pieces because a lot of cool, really, really big stuff happens. Cool. Um, but it was just full of dicks. There were so many people there, just really annoying, just horrible people that I think it's just become this thing now. Like, you know, when you make something super exclusive and when it first started out, Secret Cinema seemed like it was just this really nerdy night for people who just love films and going to experience them in a different way. It was more gorilla then, wasn't it? And well? Yeah, now, because it's just become so big, I think it's just a thing that people do, whether or not they like films or not it's just like another night to go and do and like where we were sitting like I kind of forgive uh, if you ever listened to this podcast before like I have a lot of rules when I go to the cinema about like people shouting out or using their phones and stuff luckily with this they sort of control the phones thing because you make them seal you right. but like I kind of forgive a lot of that stuff because people are people do shout things out and you, you want people to get involved of course, and yeah. like actually when you walk into the first setting I looked around and I generally couldn't. It's kind of like a uh, '60s like w- World War setting sort of thing. And right. I was looking around. I generally couldn't think who was who was actually actors and who was part of it. I couldn't tell at all. And that was brilliant. Ace. But then during the during the actual film, people were just shouting out any old stuff, and people were just drunk. Like we were, we were sat by these people, and like I don't want to generalize that all sort of people who work in banking and insurance are wankers, but these guys well. were wankers, and they. <laughs> The way they talked and the way they dressed, I made the assumption that they are all bankers or work in insurance. And they were just hammered. They were necking bottles of wine, right. shouting stuff out just constantly that they thought was funny, um, just shouting stuff out from other films. There was a guy behind me who just, while some acting was going on and they're talking about this bomb, this guy shouted out, with great power comes great irresponsibility, which I think is the tagline for Deadpool. It is Deadpool, yeah. And he was just shouting out constantly, and his girlfriend who was sitting with him was the only person around him laughing, everyone else was tutting. So I turned around and I just literally stared at him, and then he shut up for the rest of the film. Then, <laughs> so that was fine. But people just didn't care. People just didn't seem to care that the film was on at all, what was going on. They just want, and maybe it was because it was a Saturday night. Yeah, but so they people, were there for the experience. They nah, were there people, for were just, just people were just there to be there. Yeah. I, think. I feel like you're going to get that anywhere, though, where there's yeah. alcohol. A lot of alcohol available, maybe, and it's for quite a long period of time. Yeah, I guess so. isn't it normally? But I, I don't feel like I've, that's happened before with the ones, even like the Star Wars one. But then Star Wars was so loud, I couldn't. Yeah, you know, I've been to good. You know, I've, I've had good and bad experiences yeah. where uh, the secret cinema. I mean, I was at the very first one they ever did because mm. my, my an ex girlfriend of mine actually set helped set the whole thing up. And, awesome. Uh, that was Paranoid Park. That yeah. was very. That was very indie. Yeah, that one was yeah. though. Um, but yeah, I just think that's the risk you run when you do have alcohol available for a prolonged period of time. Yeah, maybe. And a lot of young people. Like, you're yeah. going to get... You know, because it's, it's, they've done bigger ones than this. Mm. You know, like obviously Star Wars was big. A Lawrence yeah. of Arabia, I think, was the biggest one they yeah, did. That's a few huge. years ago now, but... Um, but yeah, fast. it was just... Um, I just I just didn't have a good time because of other people. And I just that's thought, because it's so big now, maybe that's, that's just what it is. Is it going on for a while, this one? 
I think it is, yeah. I think it's, it's only kind of just started. Because mm-hmm. I went to like a Secret Cinema Presents um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit before and had a really similar experience as well where oh, right. they basically turned uh, the Troxy in, Lon- in London into um, the club that Jessica Rabbit sings in. And there was, so everyone had their own little tables as if it was an actual sort of uh, club. Good. And there was just a group of girls who were just there and they were just relentlessly taking photos of each other. Like they obviously hadn't put their phones away. No one was stopping them either. And like just out of perverse curiosity, I checked out like the Secret Cinema hashtag like the next day. <laughs> and they they were putting up photos going like best night ever at Secret Cinema and all these photos of them like obviously wrecking other people's times. So I think yeah. people people just go into things now because they just go this will make a good Instagram update. Keeping up uh, social appearances. Yeah, I don't know. But it was it's an amazing setting. If you can go to it, go. Just maybe don't go on a Saturday night. That would be my Dale, advice. you can talk about video games. I've realised we've not yeah, talked about yeah. video games I thought I, I knew I was on the, the podcast with you two, and I thought I'd best put in a video game something in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so Street Fighter Five came out. Yeah. And I'm a little bit annoyed. Why? I haven't played it yet. <laughs> Just throw that out there. However, after hearing everybody talk about everything that it's lacking, it sounds like it's half a game to me. And they sound like they're patching it as they go with new things, adding new content as they go. I've got a list here of all the things that are missing as well. I've played quite a lot of it. Oh, apparently there's there's tons missing, and it's a case of it always feels like they've rushed it out a bit. Right. And for me, well, it's what's like, missing, and then Gav can tell. Yeah, you. sure. So mm, he's played it. Okay, so the story mode is a basic one. There's only a, there's a proper short story mode coming in June, apparently. In the online lobbies, you can only have two players. You can never have more than that. There's, a, there's no in-game store, so you can't buy new character costumes or new characters. Mm. Uh, there's no challenge mode. Uh, apparently the tutorial was stripped back as well. And there was several of the little details that are missing as well. Yeah. And it just feels like half a game. And are you going to pay full price for half a game? I don't think it's half a game. Well, if it's missing all those modes, the modes that were in Street Fighter 4... There's a, there a story mode in it, it is stripped back, but who's mm. playing Street Fighter for the story mode? This guy. <laughs> I do play it online as well, but yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a hardcore Street Fighter fighter, as in I don't yeah. play tournaments or anything like that, but I do love Street Fighter, and I do love playing single player as well as mm. online, because online you get destroyed most of the time. Yeah. And I just feel like it's half a game. I think it shows bad intentions as well, where they think, we'll just get this game out as quickly as possible, and then we'll just keep adding content on as we go. And I want a full experience straight out the gate. I guess so, yeah. I mean, I've played play a decent amount of it and I don't feel yeah. like I'm missing anything. But then I only play with like one person. Right, um, okay. Or play so, yeah. like offline as well. So maybe like the hardcore people might be thinking. But even the hardcore fans that I know, I don't. I haven't heard them sort of grumbling that much about oh, it. Oh, so I've been, I like, listened to a few podcasts that were talking about it and they yeah. were all really negative on it which put me off buying it because I was initially going to go yeah. buy it as soon as it came out and then I heard all this talk about it and then I was thinking well why don't I just wait till March which it seems like most of the content's coming in March some of yeah. it in June as well I thought well I might as well just wait then but it's that kind of game though it's a fighting game and like I don't know you are going to get all that content eventually yeah but is that how you buy your media like buy it and think oh yeah I'll get the rest down the line no but that's different like I don't think there's any it's a there's not other many things that you could do it with, but I think a fighting game, I think it's actually quite forgivable to do it. Because... Mm. They didn't do it in Street Fighter 4, though, which... Uh, but that was like, being made for years and years and that's years. That's true. But mm. I would have rather waited and just release the whole thing, and then I go and buy it, and then I can play it yeah. day one, instead of thinking, well, I can't do this right now, but in a few months' time, I'll come back to it, and then I can do it. It's a good way of them keeping you playing it as well when you buy it, because... It's keeping, or not getting me to play it at all. Mm. Yeah, it's keeping people interested for that amount of time, but... 
Yeah, I have to. I have to admit, like I didn't before I saw all this, all these stories about things that obviously were coming in March yeah, and things like cool. that. I didn't feel like. Well, our own review on the site uh, yeah. said how obviously it's a solid fighting game, and I'm sure yeah. you know it feels great and it plays great, but it's missing a lot of key features. Yeah. On our own review, said that. So for me, it's uh, wait until all these features are out and then pick it up. Then I think. Yeah. Which is a shame because I'm a street fighter. I've got a tattoo on my wrist of street fighter as well. That's how much I love it. But you have to wipe it off now. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need paint thinner. That's how it works, isn't it? <laughs> uh, let's have some feedback. I think Gav, you have the first piece. I do from Greg Christie, who says. After you guys mentioned the other week that Spielberg has moved Ready Player One out of the way of Star Wars, I've recently been reading the book. Have any of you guys read it? What do you think? And how the hell are they going to make that movie? Do you think they'll be able to get all the appropriate licenses? I haven't read it, but you have. Yeah, I actually wrote an article about it about four years ago now Mm -hmm. uh, on the site, and it was called Read This Now, Ready Player One. And uh, it was just kind of an overview of the books without without going into too many spoilers. It was more the setup right. of the storyline. So if you want to check that out, but I really enjoyed it. I think any self-respecting geek would, particularly one who's grew up in the eighties as well. It's yeah. a very nostalgia-driven story. Yeah. But I still think if if you're younger, much younger, I still think you'd get something out of it. And it's kind of an education in the the TV shows, the games, the movies, the music we were all listening to and watching yeah. back then. But yeah, it's kind of you know. It's a cross between sort of Avatar and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and, um, you know, set in kind of a virtual reality world. Yeah. And it's it's so much fun. But the big challenge will come, as, uh, Greg. Right, as Greg says, in mm. terms of um, the rights, because it's it's the, the stuff that's covered in the book is more made by different studios, different TV stations. Right different video game uh, studios and so and like named actually oh yeah names. totally yeah. there's stuff mm. that happens in Back to the Future in there and stuff like that and, oh, cool. there's a DeLorean and all. Um, so yeah they would have to do some kind of cross right studio yeah but you know the fact they've got Spielberg directing it yeah. that's going to help because everyone's going to want to work with Spielberg and it, it should have a knock on effect for these films as well that, yeah. that they're sort of part of this story and I think Deals could be done potentially. Yeah, you know, kind of like the Marvel um, yeah. Spider-Man deal that was recently done. Yeah. But um, but you know, I was talking to you, Gab, beforehand. You were saying you might wait and read it after the film. But that's maybe the reason to read it is because okay. there's a lot of stuff in that book that won't make it into the film yeah, because right. of, because of that because mm. they can't include everything. Yeah, and so. Um, yeah, I think you'll get a lot of sort of added value by by reading the book. Yeah, and it's a really fun, easy read. But yeah, the mind boggles at how they're going to put it on screen. But that's exciting, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think because that like a good crossover, like an example of something that crosses over quite a lot of stuff in video games is Le- Lego. the Lego mm-hmm. stuff because yeah. like Lego Dimensions, it's got so many different licenses. Lego's got so many different licenses. Like it was made by Warner Brothers, but it's still got you know Star Wars and things like yeah, that. Exactly. So that's a good example of how it can be done and done sort of well. And even like Wreck-It Ralph, like yeah. you see all these different sort of like Sega, Nintendo characters like side by side. So I guess yeah. it's, it's hard to do. I remember interviewing someone from Nintendo about Wreck-It Ralph and they were saying that it was one of the hardest things because they had like a meeting that lasted like about two weeks. I guess they went home for breaks and stuff like that. But <laughs> no, about, no, two weeks. About, we're sitting there, we're freshening this out. Yeah, about how like big Bowser is and how he would hold a coffee cup and, and they were just like, okay, well, Bowser's this dimension. Coffee cups are generally this dimension. So what would he, would he have his own coffee cup that he's made or would it just be the coffee cup that everyone else is having? In that case, how does his hands hold it and what kind of way would it hold it? <laughs> For so two weeks. There's, a, there's a lot of stuff <laughs> and, involved. And ultimately, they like, ended up with Bowser but not 
Yeah. Not Mario. Exactly. So, yeah. although I know that they are negotiating for the yeah. sequel. We're more on that soon, actually. Yeah. Um, that's good, though. Yeah. No, I'm excited. I'm, 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 I might read it then rather than I'm wait for super, the film. I'm super excited. And plus, you've got two years till the film comes yeah, out. To forget about it. <laughs> um, I got an email from uh, Khalid Al-Balawi. Okay. Who says, just saw Deadpool today and a person behind me fell asleep full on snoring during the movie, which reminded me of a movie going experience I forgot to write to you guys. Okay. Mm. And you were talking about secret cinema then. This reminded me of that. God. This is awesome. Okay. Uh, at a midnight showing of The Dark Knight, uh, back when they had midnight showings, the movie cut out and the lights turned on in the theatre with 15 minutes left of the film. Everyone in the theatre groaned as the crew tried to sort things out. With this being the first showing in my area, people naturally were in costume, and two people decided to get up on the tiny ledge in front of the movie screen and put on a show. Amazing. One was dressed in a well-done Batman costume, and the other was in a terrible Joker costume. And I mean terrible to the level of the goblin Rory saw at Gamescom. Amazing. Uh, <coughs> watch that video if you haven't. So good. <coughs> uh, since we all hadn't seen the end of the movie yet, the people on stage uh, fake fought to determine the end of the movie for us. The fighting was almost as awkward as the goblin Spider-Man fight too. Uh, the crowd cheered and laughed and some threw trash at them 45 minutes later the movie turned back on and we were able to see the end of the dark night and get a free movie pass to a next movie for the trouble that's good nice <laughs> that's awesome though yeah, I, that hope they're, really I hope they're, um, their show lasted for 45 minutes yeah <laughs> <laughs> gotta keep going that's good that's a, that's a nice cinema experience I think yeah yeah and also just reminded me about that video of Spider-Man and the Green Goblin. That it's a fantastic movie. video. It's yeah, just one of the best you, we've ever done. If you guys haven't seen that, it was just uh, uh, Rory had his camera and he was on the shop floor and he, he was filming a Spider-Man and a yeah. Green Goblin showed up, a really crap Green Goblin to fight him. <laughs> and it's just these two people you've never met improvising the worst fight you've yeah. ever seen. Oh, God. And uh, so we got good. it on the site. I don't know how you find it. Just Google it. I think if you, if you Google IGN Spider-Man Gamescom, yeah. it must be the only thing that comes up. It's really funny. Yeah, but that's good. Excellent. Um, Dale's yours? Oh, yes. This is from uh, Taylor Massey, and it starts off with, this is to Chris Tilly. Mm. I've, just finished, I've, <laughs> I've just finished Lost, and I did not expect to see Peter Molyneux show up in crystallized mecha- mechanical ball as the creator of the island. With the script and pen in hand, he wrote the events as they played out with the clues as to he would finish the story, much like the writers of the show, which paid off very heavily with symbolism and left me feeling a sense of ambiguity. It was at this point Jack impaled Peter with a sharpened spear made out of a branch pulled off a tree and Hurley replied, dude, wicked. Now, I don't understand that. Is that how Lost ends? I mean, no. don't spoil it for me because I'm, 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 th- I'm now into season five or six. But I, th- I think it's meant to be a joke. I'm going to confirm that's not how Lost ends. Well, Spoilers. It's good that I know that now. You because I've been waiting. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm into the final season now. Awesome. Yes. Uh, that the fifth season was terrible. Yeah. Um, Peter Disagree. Molyneux showing up is the best thing that could possibly happen in Lost. That would be really good. <laughs> Did you see that thing where, where someone hacked his account, apparently, right. and said he was retiring? <laughs> retiring. Well, I didn't say oh, it's yeah. really funny. Awesome. Someone said he was retiring because he just couldn't cope anymore and he wanted <laughs> yeah. to apologise to everyone. And then like 10 minutes later he goes, uh, guys, my, my, my Twitter's been hacked. I'm not retiring. <laughs> oh. But everyone had just jumped on it. Poor, yeah. poor Peter. Uh, I've got one from Edward Banks who says, Hello, UK brethren and Rory. I need to send this email, otherwise it would bug me to no end. The Cat and Fiddle Road is a tribute to a road that houses the Cat and Fiddle Pub, one of the highest pubs in the UK. It's this close to Snakes Pass, Lincoln, Sheffield, and Manchester. So this is something that's been going on for ages now, isn't it? I don't it? know what this is. I don't know. Like, if someone listens to all the podcasts and can some put together a timeline of the Cat and the Fiddle stuff, because... I don't know what this is. Is that a few weeks ago? I know there's it? a nursery rhyme. It's been going on for so long. I've only... But 
but that's the thing. It's been going on for so long, but I've only been part of some of the podcasts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I've, I'm hearing like First tiny bits. This is like Lost. This is like our version of Lost. <laughs> but basically, there's a road called the Cat and the Fiddle Road, which apparently is one of the most dangerous roads in the UK. Someone wrote in about it, and we don't know what it is anymore. Right. Uh, it's this is like. <laughs> But we have, we have the answer. Okay. Yeah. The road is notorious for bikers speeding across it and flying off blind corners. Imagine Rory driving a bike through the hills GTA 5 and you have a good idea. Also, <laughs> of all the places in the north, why Macclesfield, Alex? I don't understand what that is. No. <laughs> Do we know where it is? I don't know. Okay. Oh, Lincoln, Sheffield and, Man- and Manchester. It sits close to Snakes Pass. Lincoln, Sheffield and Manchester. Are they linked? One play cat and fiddle, I guess. <laughs> well, well, I don't get the last bit or about Macclesfield. No, not me. But it's probably that's the thing. That's the problem with having like a rotating uh, people bank. listen to it, don't they? And they just type oh, it out immediately. I, I printed that out because I thought you guys would know. So <laughs> that we're lost. But thank you for the email. I'm sure that's. <laughs> At uh, one point, you'll write in and we'll be with Alex on the podcast, and I'm sure that'll make a bit more sense to him. So. Um, this is a long email from Terry Hurley. I won't read it all, okay. but I'll give you the gist. Um, he kicks off by saying, Gavin, you make me oh, laugh. God. Oh, that's good. And make me angry. Oh, okay. bad. You are so opinionated that it gets me angry. <laughs> then I realise that I am just as opinionated and realise that it would be a good idea if we never met. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a vague threat isn't it? <laughs> just carry on doing what we're doing uh, now then anyway having said all that I did feel that you may have held back slightly when answering the correspondent who stated that you were the one who was in the wrong when remonstrating with people <laughs> who use their phones in the cinema I was so angry when listening to this email that I felt I just had to write in oh, apparently as long as you are quiet according to some people it's fine to use your phone no. really so when I'm distracted by someone using their phone that has a screen that is bright enough to be seen from space, that is not a problem, uh, question mark. And so basically, yeah, Terry goes on to actually completely support you and agree with you. That's Excellent. what he's saying. Okay. And he talked a fair bit about these Mark Strong adverts. I haven't seen these, but apparently he's in an advert telling people to, that, to keep the cinema dark as oh, well. Okay, right, yeah. And um, Terry says basically... Who should you listen to? Some toe rag in the cinema with their phone or Mark Strong? Probably Mark Strong, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I would say Mark Strong often plays a villain in movies, so how do you know <laughs> he, he might have an ulterior motive for telling you to keep your phone off? <laughs> so you can't what find Mark out Strong is, some yeah. atrocity happening outside. Kingsman Mark Strong, I'd listen to him. Yeah, although I don't like the fact he does that Scottish accent that's yeah. totally unnecessary. <laughs> um... um yeah, he says, when it comes down to it, who shall I listen to when it comes to cinema, cinema etiquette? Mark Strong, on behalf of the cinema management, telling everyone to shut off their phone so we can fully immerse ourselves in the future presentation, or to some upstart who feels that their insignificant social life is more important than the rest of the audience's enjoyment of a film. And people wonder why piracy is so popular, when the cinema-going experience is so unpleasant because of such egotistical and unthinking people. Blimey. And that was sent in by Mark Strong, right? <laughs> but I think, no, I think we agree with, with, with Terry Hurley. Like I say, yeah. it's very simple in Austin at the Draft House Cinemas keep your phone silent and dark yeah yeah. simple it's one sentence silent and dark it's three words yeah it's, it feels like you know when you go on about something and you just feel like it should be so unnecessary that like why do we have to have this conversation like if you as I said before if you're doing anything that impedes someone else's enjoyment of anything stop doing that thing Absolutely. I think society has changed though I yeah. think there's generations of people that grow up thinking it's normal to check your phone throughout anything and it's not cool it's not I don't like it I don't it's like it cool. at all alright I feel like we're ending on quite a sour note there yeah. um, can we say anything positive to what's, com- what's coming up Glasgow <laughs> 
or Glasgow's no, happens. Been. Glasgow's oh, happened. But you know what? We want people to write in with suggestions of films from their childhood they'd like to see remade. Yes, yes. definitely. Um, yeah. So, yeah, write in. The email address is IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Yeah. Any parting words? I love you all. Thank you for listening. Thank Goodbye you for watching. And good luck. Cheerio. <laughs>